Welcome to Marine Creek. I'm glad you're here. Um, one of the things that we set out to do when we launched this church was to make sure that not only do we uh, have a real faith and, and experience something real in our life, but to communicate and share that faith, not out of a, a religious nature, but because God has so transformed my life and our lives, and we desire to see that transformation happen. Uh, my name is Pastor Matt, and I'm the pastor at Marine Creek. We just passed six months old, and uh, we're excited that you're here. If this is your first time, there's a guest card that we laid in your seat. Um, if you could fill that out, we don't get weird or stalk people. We just want to uh, know you're here and send you a thank you card and uh, um, tell you thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. And uh, you guys will be out of here in time for the Ranger game today. So this is a double whammy for sports in Texas, man. We've got Rangers at noon and Cowboys at three. Can you imagine trying to get into that area today? It, that that would be uh, uh, that that does not set well with me. I don't like traffic on on Boat Club or Saginaw, Maine. That would just drive me nuts. But um, if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, we have some that we can get for you. Um, and uh, we also put it on the screens, and you can follow along. And uh, we're, we spent four weeks uh, teaching through our core values and why we exist as a church and who we are and really foundational and key elements of, of us as a body and community of believers. And uh, we, were, we were taking a break from Matthew. So today we go back into Matthew, and uh, we're picking up in chapter 7, and uh, we're talking about plastic Jesus. And uh, I... Uh, I know so many people like the guy we just watched on the video who, who, have, who claim to have a real faith, but there's really just no evidence of faith. Um, I haven't lived in Texas all my life. Those of you who have, I apologize. I got here as quick as I could, but um, I wasn't born a Texan, um, and I know there's a lot of rights and privileges that come therein, whereof, therefore. Um, but Texas is a unique area. I grew up uh, in church, but I grew up with this idea and hearing these, these old pastors talk about this Bible belt that went across America. And, and those are the people who were more faithful and more spiritual. And I considered myself lucky to kind of be on the fringe of that Bible belt. So we moved to Texas, which is the buckle of the Bible belt. Um, and it's big and shiny, and, and I won that belt buckle, right? Um, you'll get that later. That's one of the lies in Texas. Um, but... Texas is the buckle of this Bible belt. And I know people and, and encounter people that all of the time have this, this uh, counterfeit faith or a, a non-existent faith, but by association, we, we think that we have this relationship with God. Um, we think that a lot of things come by association. And in Texas and in, in just in general, because we grew up in a Christian nation and we're fortunate to have that opportunity does not mean we have a relationship with Jesus. And I think there's a lot of people that, that will claim faith when it helps them. And so I don't want us to be a church and a body and, and people and families that have a plastic Jesus sitting at the head of their family. Um, it just It's not going to get us anywhere. And uh, honestly, when you think about it, we live in a counterfeit culture. Uh, if you think about uh, some of the places we shop, we try to get the off-brands. Um, some of you who, who see me on Facebook know that when Heather was out of town, I, uh, Abby and I went to the grocery store, and we went to Aldi, and uh, it drove me nuts. You know, there's no Keebler. You know, the, all of the things that I buy when Heather's out of the house, I couldn't find. And so I'm buying these knockoff things. I'm like, what is this? Kebler? 
what? A Kebler cookie? But, uh, but it saves money and honest-to-goodness prices. So, but we buy knockoffs and fake things. And uh, some of us in life often buy into a fake plastic Jesus. Um, we get sold on this idea of a man that uh, may have lived, but this man that wants to make your life perfect and great. And you know, when you come to Jesus, everything just, just becomes magical. Think of the plastic nativity Jesuses that we see. Or would, would we say Jesus if we're saying in multiple? I don't know. Um, you'll, get, you'll get that later. But think about it. You know, I, I was reminded, you know, Ricky, Bobby, his prayer, you know, the eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus with his golden fleece diaper. Um, and then the guy, you know, he grew up. You know, we tend to think that Jesus is just some far-off thing. But we've got to get into this idea that Jesus is a real man. He is God in flesh. And I've come to find that when I, when I reject Jesus, it's because I've got my own personal baggage that I'm getting in the way. That I don't want to respond to the changes that he is, he's confronting me with. And Jesus is very compassionate and patient with me. And sadly, he, he lets us reject him because his love for us is great. And he gives us this choice. But what I've learned is that when we step into obedience, there's, there's a life that happens. There's a concrete life. There's something real. There's something substantial to our existence. Um, the other day I went in to pay with a $20 bill. And I get a little freaked out now, honestly, using cash. I like my check card. Because there's so many counterfeit bills out there. Um, when I go to the bank, Heather and I kind of do an adaptation of the, the Financial Peace University, the envelope system, where when we get paid, we put some money, we put cash in an envelope, and that's our grocery money and our, our uh, 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 miscellaneous monies. And I always ask, because you know, if you don't ask at the bank, they just $100 bills. And I'm like, whoa, 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 i got to send that back. Hey, people won't take that. Grocery stores look at this and like, oh, we can't take this. And like 7-Eleven, you go in, they're like, won't take it. And then when you hand them a, a 20, you're kind of like, it's, it's almost like you're hoping it'll go through. You're like, oh, and then you start playing out in your mind, what if it's fake? I got that at the bank. That's my story. I, I, I didn't get a new printer. I didn't get it photoshopped. You know, I got that from the bank. And they, they would take the marker, you know, and, and hold it up. I went into the hardware store the other day and gave them a 20. And she sends it through this machine. And I'm, I'm thinking, come on, baby, you know. I remember... When my teacher would grade my Scantron sheets from test, you'd wait for that. You're like, oh, that's not good. That's not a good sound. That's the mark coming down. Wrong, 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 wrong. So much for all C's. Um, But we have checks in society to determine what's counterfeit and what's authentic. And Jesus in chapter 7 of Matthew is finishing his Sermon on the Mount which he delivered probably in about 10 minutes because he's an amazing communicator. I'm still learning. I think we've spent about three months in the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, he's finishing this up, and what he's doing is he's bringing it down to a personal challenge. He's confronting and saying, you know, some of you, and think about his audience. You know, Matthew wrote the book and the gospel to say, this is Jesus. Here is our king, this Messiah that we have been waiting for. He's here. And so the theme, if you could overall put a theme on Matthew's writing, is the king is here. And so the people listening to Jesus talk, and the way Matthew is seeing this, and the way this is playing out, is there's a lot of religious people that would listen to Jesus. 
And, and Jesus really, he, he loves all of us, but um, religious people, tend, he like to kind of pick on them a little bit because we get so stuck in religion and think it's all about the rules and regulations and doing this and doing this right and doing it this way that we totally miss out of a, on a relationship with our Creator. And Jesus, that bothers him. And so he's finishing this Sermon on the Mount and he starts to put in some, some little checks and some tests for authenticity of our faith. And I want to run myself through this. As a church, I want us to run through these checks. And we're going to get in and figure out what Jesus is saying here. Um, so Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we're going to start here in verse 15. This is what Jesus says. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Let me stop here and say, you know, false prophets, we tend to think of that and hear of that as the guys on TV um, as false prophets and, you know, send me the money and, and I'll send you the blessing, um, you know, or send me a check and God's going to bless you tenfold or a hundredfold. I would rather them send me a check, honestly. It's like if you want your ministry blessed, you send me a check for $1,000 so God will bless you. How about that? But false prophets isn't just that. False prophets that Jesus is really driving to, now, they, they have a special place in Jesus' heart, trust me. But what he's really driving to are the people who falsely profess a faith in Christ. Meaning, they claim to be a Christ follower, they claim a relationship with Jesus, but there's nothing there. It's, 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 on a, it's plastic. I mean, it, it's the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. And it's convenient faith. It's the I need the promotion God faith. It's I need the check in the bank by today God so this payment will go through faith. You know what I mean? And there's nothing of substance there. Or it's the people who, who have a, a falsely professed faith that want to put obstacles in other people's way because it just can't be this easy. And so Jesus is really driving at that. And he says they're going to come to you as ferocious wolves. And, and basically... They're a wolf in sheep's clothing, kind of like the old Tom and Jerry or the wily coyote, you know, where they would unzip the sheep's clothing and it'd be the coyote. And what Jesus is saying, these are, these are what he's referred to in the past as hypocrites. They put on an act, they'll put the mask up, that inwardly they're wolves and outwardly they put on the appearance of, hey, I'm a sheep, I can buy like the rest of them, I'm a sheep, but I've, inside there's nothing sheep about me. And he's really driving this home. He says this, by this... Uh, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. One of the tests that Jesus is saying, if you're looking at an authentic faith to see if, you're, if your faith in me is plastic or real or you have something substantial and solid and transformational in your life, is there should be fruit. And, and it's fruit that only God produces. And so we've got to inspect the fruit in our life. 
I think that sometimes we miss, as, as people uh, who follow Christ, we miss this idea of self-awareness, and we start to put that off to the side. And I think we need to be very self-aware. We need to be able to evaluate our life and what's going on in our life. And what is our life producing? I mean, our culture, we've designed and been, been marketed to to consume, but how are we producing and then not just how are we producing, but what are we producing? And honestly, we're producing more consumers. And Jesus says, check this fruit out. So take some self-awareness, take some stock. And here's the fruit that Jesus looks for. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, which is godly character. That's found in, in Galatians chapter 5. And I can, I'll read that to you real quick. You don't have to flip over there. I'm just going to bump around it a couple of scriptures. Galatians 5 says this, it's 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that fruit in your life? I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. When, when the Holy Spirit transforms you, this should be evident. This should be fruit. He's also looking for, for the next one is our story. And our praise to God. Basically, he's looking for the fruit of our lips. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, he talks about this fruit of our lips. Do we talk about what God has done in our life? Not in a superficial way. Not, not at a restaurant where we, we, wanna, we want everyone to know how good we are. But do we talk about how good God is? And, and how much God has redeemed me? and turn this mess of a man into something that he can use and something that he says, that's my boy and I'm proud of him. He looks for our story and our praise. He wants to hear from our mouth. Um, holy living in Romans 6.22. There should be uh, a lifestyle that goes along with this transformation. And it should be not, not a pious uh, not a holier-than-thou life, but the decisions we make should be filtered through Scripture and truth and prayer. And does that show up in how we handle our business? Does that show up in how we handle our families? How we handle our interactions and our relationships? You know, holy living, is that fruit of the Spirit? Is there peace in our relationships? Is there love and faithfulness and respect in our relationships? And then he says good works in Colossians 1.10. He's prepared us for good works. And this is where some of those, those religious folks uh, get it backwards. They think that we do the works to get to God. That if we just do enough, God will love us. But we get that backwards. Jesus is saying, and he's saying, based on the fruit in your life, it's because you know me, you do these things. You don't do these things so you can know me. And it's because you love me that you act on it. You don't act so that I'll love you. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less. He loved us enough to take up his cross and sacrifice for us. There's no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life. And so we can't do anything earn more of God's love, period. But the good works follow. 
and then the other fruit is others' lives are changed. And are we seeing are we seeing the same transformational power that's at work in our life? Are we seeing that in others' lives around us? I mean, through our testimony, through our story of how our lives connected with God, do we see that power? Not of our words in our life, but of God moving through us so something happens. When something internal happens, something external should follow. And people become uh, come to know the real Jesus, not this plastic, uh, fake, false hope Jesus that we, we tend to push in society, but they come to know the real Jesus and the transformational power of Jesus. Let me explain to you this. All of these fruit, we don't manufacture. If we try to manufacture, it's like this plastic fruit up here um, that looks like it's been bedazzled. But you wonder if an apple really looked like that. You know, you would be like, it's sparkly. You know? (laughs) But I must try it. If we manufacture fruit, this is what happens. Now we can put this on our mantle. We can put this on display for the world. And honestly, as fast as the world moves by, and they'll just buzz by and go, that's a shiny apple, man. That's a good person right there. But it offers no nourishment. If I eat this, I'm probably going to be sick. And if I continue to try to eat this, I'm going to die of malnourishment. When I try to manufacture fruit, there's nothing that's going to last about it. And if I try to manufacture fruit and then feed it to you, you're going to look at me like my head is on backwards and upside down. You're going to go, no, give me the real stuff. I've seen people walk by that, you know, when it's not shiny, I've seen people walk by and try to take a bite out of it, and it's styrofoam inside. And too many times that's what we try to put out there and say, this is my Jesus, here's the fruit of Jesus in my life. Isn't it pretty? Isn't it sparkly? And there's nothing to it. It doesn't feed anyone around us. It doesn't feed us. It doesn't do anything. But sits there and takes up space. And when it's needed, it's it's worthless. We don't produce fruit. God produces the fruit in us. And that's the beauty of us in a relationship with God. Because we can we can try to drum up things emotionally. But honestly, at the core, we want things to happen spiritually. And we want this fruit to be real and to be active and vibrant and and change as a result of it. And so we can't manufacture this fruit and we can't produce it. And the beautiful thing is we're all designed individually to produce fruit. So if you think about us, we're like a box of fruit loops. Or um, we'll, we'll, we'll say an orchard. That's more pretty and flowy and you know, we're all orchards and we stand in the field and I don't know. I like fruit loops better just because I'm that messed up. But Jesus continues to drive this point home and then he gives another test. Let's go on. Um, in, in Matthew seven twenty four. Let me go back to that. And then he goes on and he says after he says this, he says, Therefore, because there will be people that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things in your name? And, and do all this, honestly, they were doing good things. I mean, miracle prophecy and driving out demons, those are some very highly spiritual acts that would go on. But there was no power of Jesus behind that. We were doing that to build our kingdom. We were doing that to uh, build up ourselves. We were doing that because 
people recognize what was going on, but what happens is it's manufactured fruit. And you can manufacture emotions just like you can manufacture a piece of plastic fruit. And so what happens is he said, you, you did all this stuff and that's great, but we don't have a relationship. And he's saying, therefore, because I've said these things to you, let's go on and listen to what else this is going what Jesus is going to say. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. But because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. There were a lot of people teaching many things, and there were a lot of teachers in this time that Jesus was sitting here talking and teaching about the kingdom of God, where these false teachers, and even teachers of the law, were Kind of creating more law and bondage. Nothing like we have today. And they're amazed that Jesus is teaching because he's teaching truth and the power of truth and the transformational power of truth. There's something of substance to what he's saying. And what he's saying in this last section is you've got to check the foundation of what your life is built on. You know, just as in Texas, we're in the buckle of the Bible belt. And, you know, everything is bigger and better in Texas. We also have the nation's leading problems with foundation repair and foundation problems. The cracks in the foundations. We, you probably cannot drive to or from work tomorrow without hearing at least three commercials about foundation repair. And they even bring their kids into it. My daddy loves foundation work. <laughs> you know, and, I mean... You can sell anything if you get a kid laughing, you know. You're driving, my house is falling apart, but I love that kid's laughter. I'm going to go with that guy. Laughter of a child helped my home. Jesus is saying, check what your house is built on. The interesting thing here, he's he's talking about two builders. A wise and a foolish builder. And the interesting thing, they have some points in common. Both of these men know how to build. It's not that the wise man knows how to build a house and the foolish man doesn't. It's not as though, like, one can work a hammer and one can't. They both know how to build. And they both have been exposed to the message, the truth, and the reality of Jesus. And like I said, your, your, the two options are obedience or rejection. And so you've got two men here that know how to build a house, that have heard the message of Jesus, heard the truth of Jesus. I'm convinced that you know, growing up in Texas or even really in America, I don't think you can get away from hearing the gospel. Now there are cultures and countries I think that can happen, and, and I think that there are, there are times that you could, you could live and not be in a church, but, but somewhere Jesus has exposed himself and the reality and truth of who he is in our life. 
It doesn't just take a church to make that happen. Now, we hope to, to be a church that God uses in our community, in our area, to make that happen. But they both heard the message of Jesus. And then the interesting thing is, the storms hit both of them. They both had the same circumstances in life. I get so frustrated when we even allude to the teaching of when you enter a relationship with God, when you submit your life to the one who created you and loves you and came from heaven to earth to, to, to reconcile himself to you and to save us from ourselves, I get so aggravated when we think that that relationship means that we will never face any hardship. Some of the people I know faced more hardship after they made that decision to submit their life to Christ than before. Some people, I can't understand it and I can't explain it, but it, it always seems like there's those storm clouds over their life. But those, I have seen families that, that through the midst of hardship and pain and struggles and strife, that, that fruit is evident and the joy of God is in their life more than somebody who seems to have it all together. And these men had the same circumstances. The difference was what their life was built on. The difference is one said, I'm, I'm submitting my life to the concrete reality and placing my faith, my hope, my life on the foundation of the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith, our hope, and our life on that, it doesn't mean the storms aren't going to come. It just means that the house is not going to fall. We may break some windows. We may lose some shutters. You know, we may have to get ready for a major storm and run out and put, put plywood on the windows. But the house will stand. And it doesn't mean that, that we'll have to go and do maintenance on the house and we have to do things to check the foundation and maintain this foundation. But when the storms of life come, the house stands. And when we try to build our life and our hope on this plastic Jesus, this, this faith that, that has no substance, that when the storms come, everything seems to crumble. And I've known people in the past, and, and, and honestly, I've been in this situation too, where I claim to have this great faith where, where, where life is just, you know, praise God. You know, I can say all the right words and, you know, glory to God, you know, and He's just blessed my life and things are going good, brother, you know, sister. And then the storm comes and I'm crumbling. And it's, it's something that I can feel the foundation of my life. And I had to come to that point and say, wait, God, I can't, I can't do this. It's all or nothing. And when I put my faith and hope on that solid foundation, I've had to endure some pretty hard storms. But instead of worrying about the house falling, I can check on things like, are the doors shut? Are the windows taken care of? I'm not worried about the house crumbling. And being in church and being around God doesn't mean that we're on that foundation. Here's the, here's the thing. As much as I love you, you cannot live on my foundation. As much as you love your kids, they cannot live on your foundation. 
they will live in your household for a time, then they have to build that foundation. And I'm convinced that when we do this, when we put our faith, our hope, on the solidness of Jesus, the reality, it's like mixing concrete. You buy this bag of powder and sand and pebble, and you put it in a wheelbarrow or a mixing trough, and then you add water. So you have something of substance, you have something that's liquid that's, that's moving, and then you start mixing it. And if you're like me, you start worrying, okay, did I get too much water in? You guys that have mixed concrete, it's a manly thing, really. I mean, you, you've got this thing, the hoe, and you're moving it back and forth, and you're like, yeah, I'm building something. I have no idea what I'm going to do with this when I get it mixed up, but man, this is the fun part right here. And you just, you just feel more like a man. You know, you're like, I need to get some, I need to have my man card enlarged. You know, this is like greeting size man card. But the interesting thing is there's this element of faith. Because even though the water and everything is in there, and we understand that there's chemical reactions that happen, but there is an element of faith that has to solidify that. And I'm convinced that when we bring our life, who we are physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and then we mix that with with the transformational power of God, which, by the way, the Holy Spirit is also referred to as water in Scripture. So we mix us and the Holy Spirit, and we, we pray for this transformational change, and all of a sudden these, th- these elements come together, and something solid is then formed for us to stand on. And it's not the fake, plastic, hollow, shallow, empty faith that we so often associate with. It's the solid life, breath, death, resurrection, truth of Jesus. And so I I wanna I wanna bring this a challenge to you. If there hasn't been this core transformational change, then some sober evaluation needs to take place. And look not not we're not looking around and saying I don't think so. I saw that person the other day. There's no way. It's inside. It's internal. This is the point where we have to say, God, give me some self-awareness here. Pray the David prayer and say, search my heart. So this week, I want you to evaluate how real Jesus is in your life. Do you know of Jesus or do you know Think of, think of like in high school, it's like, well, do you know him or do you know him? My desire is not that you know him, but that you know him. And if, if you're not sure, here's, here's what I would ask. We don't have it perfect. Um, I produce some funky fruit sometimes. Um, it could be a little off color. It could be a little, you know, you're like, I don't know, but... But I love Jesus. And and we're a community of people who loves Jesus. And we have seen God do amazing things in us, through us, and around us. Let me encourage you to walk with us if you're unsure how that happens. You know, we can't sustain you on plastic fruit, but there's some fruit of what's going on in our community that we can help bring you along. You can't live on my foundation. You know what? Set on my front porch for a little while. 
and then let's get you on yours. And then here's the biggest thing I would encourage you to do is pray. God, just help me. The only way we have faith in God is he gives us that faith. And so pray, God, I don't understand it. I don't know it all. But give me, give me some faith here so that I can have this faith. And walk with us. And we'll continue to pray with you and for you and help you. And ask God to change your heart. And begin to cultivate that fruit and solidify your foundation. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you have spanned heaven to earth to reconcile your creation back to you, that you loved us so much, that you were willing not just to create us, but then to pay for us in our sin. And your desire is to have a relationship with your children. God, you don't want us just to be some wayward kids claim a relationship by association but you desire to be involved and present in our life. You desire for us to experience the realities of our relationship with you. Father, you've a desire to free us from religion that tells us we can manufacture fruit, that we can we can have a superficial relationship if we do the right things and say the right things and go to the right places. Father, you desire a relationship with us so that it opens up our lives to be free, to love you, to worship you, to know you, and to live a life that we could have never imagined for ourselves. life that is producing instead of taking everything around us and consuming everything around us, but actually producing and being productive for your kingdom and helping those in our community. Father, thank you for building a foundation for us to stand on. And it's our choice on what foundation we want under our life, our house, our family, our existence. God, some of us are maybe here and our lives may be on some hard-packed sand, but it's still sand. God, some of us, as we talk about this fruit, don't really see a lot of it. We ask for your Holy Spirit to move in us, to change our hearts and transform our lives. Father, give us the faith so that it's not a plastic Jesus that we submit to, but the real life, breath, flesh, walk this earth. Before the foundation of the world said, I will be the sacrifice for our creation. 
who walked this earth, who breathed the oxygen that we breathe, and who took a cross and endured physical pain and suffering and laid his life down so we could have a relationship. So the sin payment is made in full. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that called him out of that grave and from death into life so that just as we place our faith and our life in you, our lives move from death to life. Give us the courage to pray prayers like that. Give us the courage to step into the life you created for us. We love you. We thank you. Give us the ability to reflect on what you're doing in our life. And to experience you in more real ways than we've ever before. We love you. We thank you. In the name of